I think the Fed will act slower than the market's expecting. I think inflation will run hotter than break-evens are currently predicting. Therefore, I think Z-tip still has value within your portfolio. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Recent market volatility calmed somewhat this week, but a number of disruptive influences, such as interest rate hikes, are still on the horizon. In today's episode, portfolio managers Matt Montemuro, Chris Heeks, and your host Mark Rays discuss their expectations for the Bank of Canada's meetings for the rest of 2022. They also look at emerging markets, fixed income performance, and Japan's unique appeal to asset allocators. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to our BMO ETFs weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm today's host, Mark Rays, head of product for BMO GAM Canada. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. We really appreciate you listening in. Thanks for your time. For speakers today, we have Matt Montemiro and Chris Heeks, both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. Thanks to both of you for joining us today. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Good morning. Let's get started. Looking back just a week ago, we were talking about a lot of the volatility that was quickly popping up in the markets. Thankfully, the last week has been less eventful. What has led to the relative calming of markets? And as you think about that, is there a factor ETF that you view as being effective in these markets? Thanks. Yeah, great question. Yeah, nice to see the calm in the markets. I agree. Yeah, I think there's a few things that have kind of happened over the last week that have that have eased concerns. Seems like Vladimir has uh, stepping down, perhaps off the ledge a little bit, at least easing those tensions in Ukraine as one. But, you know, I think the big theme for investors this year is still rising interest rates, you know, the impact on tech, the impact on growth. And we've talked about that, you know, on the podcast as well. I think one thing we saw in the last week was some overall uh, pretty good earnings out of tech overall, I would say. Obviously, Facebook was one notable exception to that. But Google and Amazon, you know, two other components of the thing, really strong underlying earnings. You know, I think some of it, too, is mean reversion. The NASDAQ started down, you know, about 15% to start the year. So it's a healthy correction. It's it's back up 5% now. So there's, there's probably a, a little bit of that, you know. And then as well, I would say helping investors kind of navigate the rising interest rates. I think the Fed's you know, both U.S. and Bank of Canada have done a good job on messaging, and they're pretty consistent in their their messaging for a March hike. We saw good job numbers as well in the U.S. last week, um, which has all but cemented the March hike, and we have inflation data coming out, CPI, tomorrow, expected to remain high around 7 7%. So all signs point to that March hike. That said, I still believe there's a little, you know, I think that anxiety has subsided but still remains. And it's going to be a real theme for the markets this year is dealing with interest rate hikes. Always great to see good earnings, but I, you know, I do think that theme is likely to continue. 
So, you know, circling back to factory TFs, you know, I think this is a year and we've seen a lot of chatter, but value over growth. And we've been positioning value in dividends um, as a strong ways to play the market this year, perhaps in a year where growth takes a little bit of a backseat when, when interest rates are rising. And so if you look at the scorecard uh, year to date, our ZSP, which is our S&P 500 index, it's down about 4.6%. Your big winners are our value and dividends. So value is only down 1.3. And the ZDY, our dividend ETF, is down 0.9%. And our dividend cover call ETF is down 0.7%. So, you know, across the board on those value and dividend exposures, 3 to 4% outperformance, that's something we're noticing kind of uh, not just in the U.S., but a- across, you know, really uh, global markets, you know, value more cyclical value sectors, ones that have less interest rate exposure are tending to outperform. So, you know, again, whether it's the value or the dividend portfolios or high dividend cover calls, I think those are very well-rounded portfolios to take advantage of, you know, some of the factor dynamics in the market and, you know, skew away a little bit from some of those more growth-focused companies with higher valuations that, um, you know, are more sensitive to interest rates and, and may, you know, take a little bit of a step back this year. So, yeah, those are kind of two key ideas. And, you know, the benefit, just last point, cover calls on that ZWH or, you know, other, other uh, cover call ETFs, obviously, when we do get those spike ups in volatility, and I think we'll, we'll likely see a few more spikes this year, that ability to take advantage of high volatility, turn it into tax efficient income. It's always a great, great tool there. So uh, value and dividends, Mark, I'm liking those ones for um, playing these markets this year. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. Now let's turn more to the broad market conversation. And, you know, if we look at performance so far this year, and admittedly, we're only in early February, EM has been, I'll say, a clear winner so far for broad markets, certainly posting positive returns. So using ZEM, our emerging market ETF, what is working right now? And do you see it lasting? Thanks. Yeah, as you said, it's posting a positive return. Um, I'd like to just slide in a little word for Canada there as well, posting a very modestly positive return as well. Uh, but you're right, it's EM and, and Canada kind of leading markets this year with you know S&P down 5%, like I mentioned, and uh, EFI down close to a similar amount as well. Obviously, I, I think there's a bit of mean reversion in emerging markets. Very challenging 2021. But um, you know, looking under the hood of ZEM and what's working on uh, within that fund this, to start the year, um, your top three sectors are financials, material, and energy. So very consistent with that kind of more cyclical value, value-oriented theme. Those three sectors are about a third of the index. There's another third of the index in tech and discretionary, and those sectors obviously have suffered. But um, overall, those cyclical sectors outweighing you know, the losses on the tech side in EM. And then looking at the countryside, because I think, you know, we always want to talk about countries and see what, you know, see what the scorecard on China is as well. But your leading countries are actually kind of the, I'd call them the complementary countries in the uh, exposure. So Brazil, Saudi Arabia, South Africa are actually your top three contributing companies. Um, obviously, you know, the first two, Brazil and Saudi Arabia, a lot of, you know, energy and cyclical exposure. Uh, South Africa had a you know a lot of challenges, but coming out the other side of, of Omicron, you know again mean reversion I think characterizes um, perhaps what's happening there. 
so those were your top countries, and they outshined kind of China and South Korea. South Korea was your worst country in EM so far this year, and that's a very tech-heavy uh, exposure within EM. China's down about a percent, so it doesn't sound great, but you know, if the S&P's down five, being down one isn't too bad. Um, again, there's some mean reversion happening there. We'll see. Obviously, the Olympics are happening right now. And, you know, I've kind of had a little bit of concern about what kind of light this would shine. Perhaps there's, you know, criticisms maybe of that government. But, you know, overall, China's being stimulative. They're stimulating their economy. Um, seems like they're running a pretty good Olympic game so far from so far as I can tell. So, you know, I think there there's certainly hope with EM. You know, one factor that's going to weigh on it, I think the rising interest rates is a little bit of a negative. But on the positive side, much, much more attractive valuation. They're coming off a, they're coming off a weaker year in 2021. And usually that, you know, coming off the weaker year positions you for better returns going forward. So, um, you know, still advocate for having some emerging markets in your portfolios because I think it makes sense from a diversification story alone. Um, obviously, China is a big part of the world market. So having some ZEM, I think, makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's nice to see the performance turn around a little bit to start the year. Introducing the new BMO Canadian Bank Income Index ETF, ticker ZBI. Investors looking to generate additional yield and mitigate rising rates now have an ETF that provides access to higher yielding securities combined with the strength of Canadian bank credit. To learn more about this innovation in fixed income ETFs, visit bmoetfs.ca and search ticker ZBI. Now let's switch gears and head over to fixed income, where the Bank of Canada held off on raising rates in the most recent meeting. I think that was somewhat expected, although clearly the housing market has uh, has been more than more than hot over the last stretch. If you guys look at this, are you in the hawkish or more of a dovish camp when it comes to rate increases for 2022? As you discuss that, how do you see this impacting ZAG, our aggregate bond ETF? And if you'd like, give us another fixed income ETF where you recommend to deal with these uh, eventual increases. Thanks. Yeah, I can take that one, uh, Mark. And, you know, both the Fed and Bank of Canada held off the urge to raise rates in uh, in January. Uh, and as Chris said, making March kind of a near certainty that we'll see some central bank action. You know, if I'm looking at market expectations right now, I think the market continues to price in, you know, upwards of six rate hikes uh, by the end of 2022. So let's call that about 150 basis points of interest rate increases for the year. You know, if I look at the Bank of Canada meeting schedule, you know, and, and if we assume that you know, rate hikes are going to follow the standard path of 25 basis points, that would be acting in six of the next seven meetings. So, you know, while I do expect the Bank of Canada to act swiftly, um, you know, I don't think it's realistic that they will hike at six of the next seven meetings. And I don't think it is feasible uh, for them to do so. I think there's too many external impacts that could and would lead the Bank of Canada from kind of underwhelming versus that, you know, I would view it pretty aggressive target. So, you know, my view, uh, although I do expect rates to go up, I'm a little bit more dovish than I think the market right now. And, and I would expect maybe about four rate hikes for 2022, you know, so that's four of seven meetings. That's still a pretty aggressive, uh, 
pass, but I think it would get us uh, get us well on our way to normalcy, and uh, it would make sense as, as a way for the Bank of Canada to combat inflation while also balancing the the like, while not choking out the economy. So it's kind of that balancing act that they're working on right now. Also, something interesting that had come out since the Bank of Canada didn't act in January. You know, while I don't think this is the likeliest scenario, uh, I do think that a 50 basis point hike is on the table for March's meeting. You know, I think if we see some heightened CPI numbers, so January, February CPI numbers, if they surprise on the upside, you know, I do think this is a realistic tool that the Bank of Canada could use, and, and it's something that's in their toolkit right now. So hiking 50 basis points versus 25. No, I definitely don't think that is the likeliest of scenarios, but I, I think it's interesting that it's it's definitely on the table. So you know, looking at returns for 2022, you know, we've seen fixed income underperform, you know, as we've seen the yield curve increase by, by 40 plus basis points across the curve. Uh, you know, I think that that's a challenging environment for fixed income as a whole. So ZAG, like any fixed income with a duration of, of eight years, you know, unfortunately is, is susceptible in, in that type of rising rate environment. That being said, I think ZAG's exposure to short-term bonds and 30% exposure to corporate bonds does and should provide some protection from those rising rates. Um, but I would look to complement my core ZAG exposure uh, to further protect myself. So, you know, I think ZAG is unique because it does have exposure across the curve. So I do think there are areas in the portfolio that will still provide some protection. But if I'm looking to position myself going forward, I do want to complement that exposure. So I'd look at look overall to shorten my duration and increase my exposure to corporate bonds and, and really pick up that extra yield that corporate bonds provide. So in a Canadian context, I would consider ZBBB, you know, isolating the highest yielding credit in the investment grade space. You know, that would shorten my duration because ZBBB's duration is about four years, while using the additional yield to protect against rising rates. I think another excellent complement right now uh, would be ZFH. So that's our floating rate high yield ETF. This is, a, this is an ETF that has come up in conversation um, a lot over the last month. Um, I think we've seen, you know, as volatility has picked up, a little bit of risk off uh, feeling in 2022. We've seen CDX spreads widen by about 50 basis points since December. So looking at that, I look at that and say, you know, that's a pretty good buying opportunity. You know, ZFH is a strong yield. It has a duration of 0.25 years. So you're getting very limited to no interest rate exposure, which is you know, pretty attractive right now, especially if you're complementing it with, you know, something like ZAG that has an eight-year exposure. High yield does tend to outperform investment grade during periods of, of rising rates. And because we've seen that widening already, I do think it's, it could be a buying opportunity for you to take advantage of some credit spread tightening, as well as uh, that additional yield that the high yield credit will give you over uh, investment grade. And then finally, uh, I did want to highlight a new product to our shelf that will be launching uh, February 10th, and that is ZBI, and that's BMO's Canadian Bank Income ETF. So this ETF is unique to the market. It provides exposure to Canadian, the Canadian bank's capital structure, uh, X equity. So what you're going to get exposure to is you're going to get the traditional deposit notes, NVCC bonds, preferred shares, 
And then you're going to get exposure to uh, two types of instruments that are only available to institutional investors right now. So that's LRCN, so that's limited recourse capital notes, and 1,000 par value preferred shares. And this ETF will yield about 270 with a duration of two and a half years. So again, it fits in with a higher yielding product with a shortened, shorter duration, complements your, your core portfolio quite well. Um, overall, I think this, this uh, ETF ZBI should uh, be well positioned for a rising rate environment. So rising rates are generally positive from a credit perspective. Uh, for banks and financials. So you're going to have some some strong uh, fundamentals there on the credit side. And then the, the fund has about 20% exposure to preferred shares. And what this allows you to do from a fixed income part of, your, part of your portfolio is actually benefit from rising rates due to the rate reset structure of most of the preferred share market. So, you know, in fixed income, what we're trying to do is protect ourselves against this rising rate environment. So, Adding something like ZBI gives you exposure to something that actually should outperform during rising rates. So I view ZBI as an excellent complement as a way to combat rising rates. And again, you're getting that stable Canadian bank exposure within your portfolio, a very quality portfolio. So something that I think uh, once launched on February 10th should be something to, uh, to consider uh, to look at the uh, period ahead. Great. Thanks for that, Matt. Covered a lot of ground there and certainly a, a really interesting intro on, on ZBI, where I know we've already got a lot of advisors asking us um, about the listing of that product. So appreciate those updates. Another recent ETF that we launched uh, was our new Japan ETF, ZJPN, and the hedge ZJPN.app. Now, we have been getting advisors asking questions about why we brought this one out and why we think the time might be right uh, for bringing out this ETF. You know, when you think about deconstructing international markets, how are advisors and even institutions uh, approaching this? And how does Japan act differently from let's say the rest of international markets? Thanks. Yeah, thanks Mark. I mean, you know better than me, our tool of ETF certainly increasing. We had about 150 tickers now we'll be north of that with our most recent launch. And, and you know, the way I look at Japan, it's just it's an, an additional tool for asset allocators. Um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, looking at international markets, you know, that's about a third of the global market cap. And of that third of the global market cap, uh, well, about a quarter of that is Japan. So obviously a significant market. And, you know, one thing I was just looking at this morning, you know, looking at the 10-year tail of the tape um, in terms of major markets, um, obviously, U.S. is your leading market over 10 years, um, but between Japan, Canada, Europe, and emerging markets, your number two there is is Japan. It's been a little bit on the weaker side recently, but um, you know, it's again, it's a great tool to perhaps take advantage of a mean reversion. Solid overall economy there. You know, lots of names in the portfolio that I think people are familiar with, whether it's Toyota or you know Honda or Sony, Panasonic, etc. Uh, lots of familiar names in there and lots of, um, you know, I think interesting exposures, you know, just to continue with that theme of looking under the hood, I was, you know, looking at the sectors, the top sectors within Japan, you have a couple pretty uh, value or cyclically oriented sectors. So industrials and consumer discretionary are your top two sectors, about 40% of the fund. Um, so industrials, I think, you know, obviously more of a cyclical uh, exposure, discretionary, you know, a lot of that exposure in there is autos as well as 
you know, obviously consumer products. And, you know, with customers, you know, with pretty healthy amounts of savings uh, in, in general, you know, I think it's I think it's a favorable um, from that point of view. Uh, there is some IT in there, which we flagged as maybe not having the greatest year potentially. Uh, but then there's also some financials to balance that out. We know financials are performing very well. So I think it's a pretty good sector mix from, you know, what you're looking at, some of the themes working in the market, offering the product in both hedged and unhedged. You know, Japan is known for low interest rates. So it's, you know, it's some good stimulative uh, conditions from, from their central bank and from their governments. They've actually been pretty friendly to the ETF industry as well in, in terms of putting some money towards ETFs, but that's kind of a side point. So it's an interesting exposure, you know, good track record of return, potential for a little bit of mean reversion. Um, I think it's in line with the cyclical exposures and, and good government and uh, fiscal and monetary support. So I think it's a great tool for investors to to take a look at and see if they want to tweak. And, you know, it's all about having, you know, I think, I think well, one of the key things with our lives is about having tools to be able to accomplish what you want to accomplish in terms of building a portfolio. So this is just another, you know, added tool that can really help you finely slice and dice that equity allocation to get it exactly where you want it. I think it's a great new product for investors to utilize. Thanks, Chris. Canada's ETF Economic Forum is live now. The BMO ETF team has begun streaming a limited three-part series where the best minds from all six major Canadian banks share comprehensive research and timely, actionable ideas to position your clients for the future. Register now at BMOETFsForum.com. I've got one more for today. For advisors looking at fixed income options, certainly as we've talked about, interest rates and inflation are, are top of mind and as they erode that, that future purchasing power of those coupons and eventually the bond maturities. How has ZTIP held up during the recent volatility? So that would be our uh, U.S. Inflation Protected Bond ETF uh, with a short duration. Has it provided the inflation protection that advisors are looking for. Thanks. So, you know, Z-TIP has been a common theme uh, or common recommendation that we have uh, have made for, for some time now uh, as a way to complement your fixed income allocation and protect against uh, the, the current inflationary environment that we, we see ourselves in. You know, I think if you look back at, at performance over the last year, you really do see the protection that ZTIP can provide to investors during inflationary environments. So if you look at uh, the, the returns of uh, TIPs, so the uh, inflation-protected notes versus uh, just the plain vanilla U.S. Treasuries, um, you see an outperformance of, of TIPs by about 6%. And just that differential there during that inflationary environment is, is showing the protection of, of what TIPs can provide to your portfolio within an inflationary environment. During the recent uh, swing of volatility, we have seen TIPS perform in line with U.S. Treasuries, so we haven't seen the outperformance that we've, we saw over the last year. Uh, and that's mainly due to inflation expectations that have actually come down since early December. So, you know, as you guys know, we've, we've had several hawkish comments by the Fed. I think the market... Um, shifted quite quickly after Fed comments uh, with the expectation of the Fed acting in 
potentially September 2022 and moving that all the way up to, to now March 2022. So the Fed's willingness to act and increase interest rates to combat inflation sooner overall reduced inflation expectations by the market. So what that tends to do is it causes uh, tips to underperform U.S. Treasuries. In this case, during the recent period of volatility, they've actually outperformed slightly, but but basically the returns have been in line. Um, But when I'm looking, if in a period where inflation expectations do come down, you would expect U.S. Treasuries to outperform tips. You know, that being said, you know, let's look at where we are now and, and what we're going to see going forward. So one-year break-evens are about 3.68%. So what does that mean? It means in one year, if actual inflation comes in over 3.68%, Z-tip will outperform the plain vanilla U.S. Treasuries. If actual inflation comes in less than 3.68%, Z-tip will underperform. So for me, when I'm looking at that break-even number right now, I still think ZTIP is, is prudent and is a buy. I think it's an excellent complement within the portfolio. Um, you know, looking at CPI, December's print was 7%. And as Chris uh, had mentioned, we have U.S. CPI coming up tomorrow. Expectation is that January's print is going to surpass that 7%. You know, and I do think that there are many factors that are still inflationary. I think I think inflation is still very real, regardless of the Fed's interest rate actions and interest rate policy. You know, I think supply chain disruptions will continue to plague uh, economies globally well into 2022, and that will lead inflation to run hot well into the first half of the year. So, you know, the way I look at it, if if break-even is at 3.68% and over a one-year period, you need the average to be higher than that, every print that is above 6 or 7% that we're going to see at the beginning of the year means that later in the year, you need to see a much lower print, around 1% and 2%. And I just don't think that the Fed is going to be able to act quick, quickly enough or aggressively enough to... Uh, get inflation to come down that meaningfully in a short period of time without causing significant negative impact to growth. So when I look at that, I say, I think the Fed will act slower than the market's expecting. I think inflation will run hotter than uh, break-evens are currently uh, predicting. Therefore, I think Z-tip still has value within your portfolio. And I would still look at it as, especially over a one-year horizon, as a buy and as a way to protect your, yourself and your portfolio from the impacts of inflation. So that's something that, that that's how I look at it from a kind of one-year perspective. Um, I expect ZTIP to continue to outperform U.S. Treasuries for the rest of this year, just because of those um, continued inflationary uh, pressures that we see and the potential that the Fed will be forced to act slower than uh, the market anticipates. And, and that's why I think ZTIP uh, is still an excellent piece, uh, or an excellent portfolio construction tool. Right. Thanks for that update, Matt. Glad to hear that it's uh, working as expected for advisors, certainly a challenging environment for fixed income these days. So with that, that's all the questions we have for today. So I want to thank everyone for listening in. We really appreciate your time. 
Uh, lots of good information supplied by both Matt and Chris. So some great conversation points that we can bring back to our own day. So thanks to both of you for that. And with that, I want to wish everyone a great day. And thanks once again for joining us. Thank you to Mark Rays, Matt Montemuro, and Chris Heeks for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the new BMO Japan Index ETF, ZJPN, which provides exposure to large and mid-cap Japanese companies. Our experts also discussed the BMO MSCI Emerging Markets Index ETF, ticker ZEM, which is designed to replicate the performance of the MSCI Emerging Markets Index with representation from 26 countries. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.